Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. is episode 238 of The Sausage Factory. In this episode, I talk to Mike Pinto of Zotnet Games about their futuristic take on the Oregon Trail hyperspace delivery service. It might have space dysentery. I cannot confirm or deny this to be the case. To find out, you have to listen on. Before we do that, let's chat about what else is under Kane Ritz's vast umbrella. First, we have Kane Ritz itself, of course, out every Monday... And this week, it's Inside. Yes, they're covering the game Inside, which is actually out on Xbox Live Gold as a free game. So if you don't have it, you can grab it now. And if you assume you have Xbox Live Gold subscription in some way, then yeah, go go get it while you can. Then we have Sound of Play, which is a podcast that celebrates the scores of video games. That is the musical scores, not the Metacritic scores. I love that joke. I like it. So there. And uh, then on Thursday, we have Playwright, where two people called Ryan make up games based on the ideas sent to them by their listeners. It's quite excellent. You should check that out. If you want to know more about Cana and Rinse, what else we write about and talk about and all sorts of things, you can go to com, where you will find blog posts, archives of all the podcasts that we release, the ones I just listed a moment ago, and a forum, a lively forum, I know, in 2019. Who'd have thunk it, but yes, it does exist, and this is a thing. You should check it out. We also have a Twitch stream um, every Sunday at the Variety Show. I uh, personally, uh, I actually release a uh, stream on a game. It could be on any platform at any time. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a thing. Sometimes I um, do the stream linked to Kane and Rinse or I actually link it to the game we're talking about in this show, for example. Um, now, uh, we do have uh, a game called Double Cross coming up uh, as, as uh, a show feature or a guest feature, so to speak. And uh, yeah, so I'll be, I'm, I'll be, I'm streaming. Um, well, I was, I had streamed 
because you'll listen to this in the future at the time of record. Anyway, um, yeah, on the last Sunday, it'll be the 21st of July if you just check out the archive on YouTube. Um, but yeah, uh, Sunday evenings at 8 p.m. British summertime. Um, we were doing some stuff on Thursday evenings with uh, Sea of Thieves. We had to put that on hiatus for a little bit for summer holidays and stuff like that. It will be back soon. Now, if you want to chuck us some shekels, some coins, well, you can. You go to patreon.com forward slash cane and rinse and you can actually subscribe to cane and rinse for no more than one US dollar at a minimum. And if you do that, you get extra content. You get an extra podcast a month. You get extra long editions of cane and rinse itself rather than a limited of two hours. You actually get extended versions and also get them a week early. Also, there is the platform exclusives which currently the one behind the paywall the patreon is the amiga one which is the one i guested it on i know actually that might not encourage you to do it but anyway i like doing it it was great it's good fun um but you won't you know you can't get access to that show until unless you pay and then it will be released eventually in another two months or so three months yeah something like that before it actually goes out to the public but uh yeah but anyway Let's move on to the main feature, where Past Me talks to Mike Pinto about Hyperspace Delivery Service. Take it away, me from the past. Mike! Hello. Who are you, and what do you do? I'm Mike Pinto. I am a game developer slash musician. Uh, slash regular computer programmer. Um, I like to make games, I like to make music, and I do a lot of programming. Right. So you're you're a master of many things. I'm impressed. Oh, thank you. We have a lot of guests on the show. I mean, this is, you know, we've been going for a fair few years now, as everyone knows, if you're regular listeners. And uh, it's not often, I've got to say, not often we have developers who can also compose Mm. Uh, normally it's uh, contracted out, which is fine. I'm not going to, you know, you don't, you don't have everyone, all things to all people, but you a little bit uh, renaissance. But it sounds yeah. yeah, I contract out the, the art. Ah, there you go. Because the pixel art is, is not, not yes. yeah, that's a skill. That's yes. a skill. So, <laughs> okay, well, a little bit about you then. That's cool. So, uh, next question. Oh, by the way, these do ramp up and difficulty in most video games so <laughs> it gets a bit more and more like oh what where's that come from uh but the next one here we go how did you start making video games i started my first game was actually a choose your own adventure batch file back in i don't know early 90s i want to say <laughs> um I, and in the unique part of it was i would record audio because I had, I, I got a PC that had this magical thing with a microphone input, <laughs> and I was just intrigued by it. So I'd like record little dialogue lines, and uh, then I made a batch file that you know would ask you questions, and it was basically choose your own adventure, and then it would trigger the the audio to play depending on what you would choose, and then you know set you off on one path or another branching storylines and that kind of thing i mean yeah choose your own adventure if you do this you'll end up creating that whole spider web 
yeah. of, um, of yep. you know logical paths <laughs> and uh, I mean as a kid um, there was a book called Fighting Fantasy I'm not sure if you're familiar with those but um, they were very much like Choose an Adventure only more oh, okay. more complex because you sure. had you had a character sheet and you had oh. to roll and you had to roll dice and depending nice. on how well you fought the creatures or did skill tests I'm not kidding you had skill tests and <laughs> you, had to, you had to have two D6s to play the, the book it was amazing. Oh, that's pretty cool. And, yeah, uh, never, yeah, I would have been into that as, yeah. as a kid. <laughs> it was just, yeah, they were just like, I'll never forget when I've discovered them. And they're still going to this day. On the, rather than actually in more hardback form, they've now migrated onto tablets, which is a perfect medium for them. Oh, uh, yeah, so, very cool. Um, so you actually roll the dice on the tablet. Uh, nice. and, and it's quite fun because you can actually hit the bottom of the tablet and then they juggle around a bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, nice. <laughs> so, I don't know yeah. that result, and it's really lovely. But yeah, fantastic. yeah, no, we yeah. only had, uh, at least in my my school, that's where I like found the choose your own adventure books. It was like just this this shelf of just choose your own adventure books, and we would just, right. you know, keep checking them out, and it was so intriguing. And this really, obviously, it looks like you you glommed on to that idea because yeah. hyperspace delivery service is. It definitely has its roots buried in that that, that oh yeah in that that type of experience. It's like, well, here's a choice. Well, not a choice. There's lots of choices. Yeah. All of them with consequences. Um, yeah. But uh, we, we we won't delve into that quite yet. So that's sure. so the early nineties then. So for me, uh, I was uh, I had I was uh, heavily into my Amiga back then because I'm British and. We didn't. Ah, yes, we, we didn't adopt the the NES. We we played on Amigas and Atari ST ah, yes. and things. I know you heard all of this before, but it's like it's really cool that Americans are have now woken up to the fact that wait, the Europeans didn't play on NESs? No, we didn't. Yeah, yeah. You, what were you doing? <laughs> this? Oh, you know. And uh, and I feel like we missed out. I missed out on the whole Amiga. Like I look at it, every day, I like find a new Amiga game. <laughs> That's British, and I'm like, geez, where did this come from? <laughs> indeed, indeed. And uh, you know, we we actually do Kenya Mitz do um, platform specials about various systems, and we've done Game Boy and Xbox, the original Xbox, and our latest one is the Amiga. And, nice. Uh, and I still got one. I've actually got two. Um, yeah. they, they still work, my friend. They still work. And Actually, one of my goals is to import uh, a British Amiga. Oh, <laughs> so I want want to be able to play all those games. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, they're they're a thing. But uh, yeah, and I streamed Turrican two the other week. It's good fun. Mm, yes. But um, what what how far, what from your so from the early nineties you moved on, and then you <laughs> obviously you know started doing more complex stuff. Can you talk us through a little bit more of your? Your discography, yeah. so to speak. <laughs> so after after that game, I I kind of took a break from game development. I just after that, I was just like building websites and basically that for you know and, and like just basic stuff, like in in basic, just very basic stuff. Um, and then I got into music, which completely distracted me for years. So all my creativity was in music for years. And then uh, maybe about. T- seven to ten years ago now i got back into game development and i made a, a point and click adventure game called bic a space adventure which started out actually as a album of electronic music and then i decided to just make a game to go along with it so that was a point and click adventure uh so i did what, that what platforms uh, is that on is it still available is it yeah that's still available that's on steam and also mobile it's on ios and android 
cool. We'll, we'll, we'll link to that in the show notes. Thank you. So, uh, I, I made that with yeah, uh, I made that with my friend. Uh, he was like a partner in it. My friend Patrick Chase. Uh, so it was kind of like a team effort. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm a big fan of point and clicks. We've had the, nice. we've, we've had a fair few of them on the show before. It's it's good. I, I think their uh, their their reappearance is welcome. I say reappearance. Yes. It's been about ten years now, but. <laughs> You know, yeah. they did go away for a while for good reason, because those puzzles got really silly, and no, <laughs> no, no sane human being could figure it out. And like, you've you've jumped the shark. Just go to the corner of the internet and think about what you've done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Then, I feel like they lost focus. Plus, yeah. plus the three D, everything started going three D and like high res. And I feel like once that happened, like like around Space Quest Seven or not Space uh, King's Quest Seven. Yeah. Um, the, the art style started changing, and then all of a sudden, they everything went 3D, and like I don't know, they just like the whole genre changed, and it it wasn't it wasn't enjoyable to me at least anymore. Yeah, and then Wedge Die, Wedge Die, I never pronounced it. Yeah, Wedge Die. They they they, they, re- they appeared and went. See, remember these? And this is a game. Here's one, <laughs> but it's not terrible, and you can actually understand what's going on and care oh, about yeah. the, care about the characters, and the writing's really good. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah, I played uh, Gemini Ru, that yeah. first Wajedi game that he published was pretty amazing. Pretty, pretty amazing stuff. So, okay, and then bringing you up to date, um, we now have hyperspace delivery services is why you're here. Yes. So, and is, you programmed all this yourself? Uh, yeah, I programmed it, and I did the music and audio, really? and then I hire out the art. Yeah. So, next question. Um, now this one's a bit hard to answer because it's a bit nebulous. There's a word that uh, take a drink, everyone. I've used that word again, but I have to because this question is. There's no other word I can describe it to, uh, or ascribe it. There you go. Uh, what are your biggest influences as a creator of things? Um, number one is probably just science fiction in general. Just a right. huge. I love science fiction. I mean, I, Star Trek is my probably favorite science fiction base it's just all of star trek yeah i'm, I'm re-watching voyager at the moment don't yes. know why because it's 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 secretly awesome yeah it I mean, is but it people is give gonna, it a hard time but yeah you, you keep coming back to it and it's like this is really 90s isn't it? yeah oh yeah it's, totally it's, just, it's just not just the styling or i mean some of the writing is atrocious and it's just oh, of course it's just course. really just bad for some uh, reason with star trek i'm able to i like even though the writing on some episodes is just so bad like so i can like look past it and i just see that the, the core of what they're trying to do and yeah and they yeah. do it well enough that i'm like this this speaks to me yeah it's just even still you go but that doesn't okay fine <laughs> that's, that's, a <laughs> yeah, massive, so. that's a massive plot hole just let it go they'll just wave it away with some tech oh they did there you go yeah yeah, <laughs> it's like just, it, like cool. next generation season one and two a lot of people rag on it but i feel like season one and two they were trying things like really just crazy just like sci-fi stories that were so unique and i was yeah. I'm really into that yeah. yeah and any other sort of influences do you think uh, i mean you mentioned sci-fi i definitely see it in <laughs> yeah i mean delivery service but anything else do you as far think? as like game influences like the, the space quest games they were a huge right. influence yeah um like 
Star Trek 25th anniversary, those, those games. I don't know if you've played those. That was like a series yeah. of adventure games. Yeah, they uh, they used to pump out a, whole, a raft, didn't they? There's a, there's a quite a lot of Star Trek <laughs> yeah. games. There really was. Now they're yeah. all on mobile or something. Every now and again, I get. Well, uh, I, I refuse to uh, to, no. to even acknowledge the mobile. No, it's just like what is that? It's just, <laughs> yeah. I think the biggest Star Trek game right now is an MMO. So there you go. Yeah, um, that's that, that's a thing. Fine, I'm sure they they need to fix that. They could do all sorts of things. Yeah. Just not a MOBA, please, not a MOBA. Oh don't, my gosh, don't, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, another huge, uh, huge uh, influence, gaming wise, was the Under a Killing Moon series. I don't know okay. if you were into those, but I, I was super in love with those games. I just I don't know, like the atmosphere that's created. In the video and like that low res 3D, like where you're walking through and like exploring, it's just I don't know. And the music, oh yeah, it all just comes together. Cool. Yeah, um, it's uh, yeah, it's, it, it it definitely all of this shows shows in, in your output. So yeah, thanks for that, Beans. Because most guests go stump like, well, I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one guest actually said, uh, "My dog." that works if you like uh, oh, yeah. but, uh, I, mean, I could keep it well for this specific game i was i don't know if i'm getting ahead of myself here with these questions but like, no, don't worry don't worry it's um, fine it happens so i i was both halves lead like, into each other it's fine i was on the tra- <laughs> i was on the train i was like getting uh i was on the train doing some commuting so i was playing on my phone i was playing a game called Organ Trail. I don't know if you know. Do you know that game? Yes. Organ. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like it was like a remake of Oregon Trail, but yes. with zombies. Yeah, yeah it was zombies. Yeah. And I was like super into it. It, was, yeah. it just was. I was really happy with it and playing it a lot. And I was like, ooh, I would love to see this in space, like some kind of space thing. Yeah. So, uh, so that 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 was like the original push to make a to make this game was like, okay, I just want to see what I can do with making. Oregon Trail in space. So I started doing that, and the goal was to make it like super simple, just a straight up, you know, remake of Oregon Trail. But then I was playing uh, Blake Stone. I don't know if you know Blake Stone. It's like an old first-person shooter using the Wolfenstein engine. Okay, no, I'm not familiar with it. It's a sci-fi, sci-fi based Wolfenstein. Um, So I was playing that, and I was like, "Ooh, this would work as like the hunting mini game for." you know, the Oregon Trail style game. So I was like, all right, I'm doing it. So I put that in the game. So now that's like the mini game for the hunting game. So instead of, you know, the top down, you're doing this first person old school theme. So that got in there. And then I was playing, I play a lot of retro games. And then I was playing Wing Commander, the first Wing Commander. Right. Um, And I was like, ooh, this kind of might work to include as like another mini game yes yeah. so i did that but uh but i like decided to do it as the bridge view because in star trek 25th anniversary on pc there's actually some space combat from the bridge view yeah so i i uh kind of combined all that together as mini games for this for this game um you know then, it's interesting what you mentioned the bridge because there is Really good Star Trek game. I've missed it. So you'll have missed one. I knew we'd miss one, Mike. I knew it. <laughs> uh, Star Trek Bridge Commander on PSVR. Now, that is awesome. Oh, yeah. Of course. <laughs> that, that, that. Is, yep. that, yeah, that is good. Especially if yeah. you play it multiplayer. 
It's Absolutely. just like, you know, someone's on engineer. He's like, give me power. I've got nothing. What? Yeah. Just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We need Fantastic. to shoot at something. I'm telling you, we've got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, yeah. no, yeah, it's, it, it's, that's why I really recognized it because I'm a big Wing Commander fan. And, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but, uh, no, yeah, excellent. Excellent. Okay. Right. So, uh, next question. Which is, what developer do you most admire in the industry and why? Good question. Um, let me see. What developer do I admire in the current industry, I guess? Doesn't, yeah, it doesn't matter if they're gone. You could even say Origin. They're awesome. Uh, but, yeah. you, know, you know, it's well, just, yeah, I mean, it's I would say. Yeah, go on. Go on. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh let me look it up real quick. <laughs> You're doing the heinous thing of looking up things on Google during a podcast. No! Uh, <laughs> I forget his name. Uh, it's the guy who made Under a Killing Moon. Chris. It's Chris something. Uh, right? Uh, I got to look it up. I can't. I mean, I know it was Access Software, but right. the, the guy himself. Chris Jones. That's it. Chris Jones. I would say I, I admire him just because I don't know if you know the backstory of that stuff, but like he like he started the first game in the series um, back in oh, Mean Streets. Yeah, that was it. Mean Streets. He made that in the eighties, I guess. Right. And uh, him and like another guy, and that was very just you know kind of point and clicky, pretty pretty basic. And then he made a sequel to that, and he like put some video, but not videos, like very short animations of video, which was kind of remarkable for the day. This was like, I think he did, he released that on Amiga. Um, it was the Mitri's 2, I believe. Okay. Um, and then after that, he, I don't remember how much time was in between that and like maybe some other games, but then for Under a Killing Moon, it was again. It was a super. Even though Access Software got involved, and it was like a big release before it was a big release. It was, it it was like a little indie game basically. And he had he like just it was basically just a, a really small just like in a garage or something where he would like set up a camera and film people, and like extract the video and then put it into the into the game. So it was it was really just. Uh, you know, impressive effort, and he was just—he was so into this idea, and he pushed so hard, and he—he he just got this made, and then he was able to convince IBM, I think it was. Or I don't know. He like somehow he got some funding from somewhere, and then I think I don't know if he—I think he formed Access Software with someone else, and they got more money, and they were able to hire uh, some some like real actors to get involved. And it just took off, but I just – I admire that he kept making these games and they never strayed from the quality. Like he, he never like sold out say, as – you know, it, it was always his vision and, and he just kept going and kept making amazing games. And then, then he did the Kickstarter like a few years ago and he made the, uh, like a, a sequel, which was totally amazing. I was really into that. Um so anyway, yeah, I'm really into him and and just his indie vibe and his effort and yeah, no, they're never compromising on quality. 
Compl- yeah, exactly. And delivering a story that is compelling and has um, characters that you can relate to that aren't cardboard cutouts, which yes. is really hard. <laughs> yes. Um, because um, uh, as as uh, I play a lot of role-playing games, pen and paper role-playing games, and uh, mm-hmm. one of the things I've found is that it's it's people, damn it. You know, the, the, the world is important. Don't we? Sure. But really, people are, gravitate towards people. Yeah, and you have to make let the players paint the world to a point, and let them interact with the things that you put in front of them. Uh huh. Let them let them prod and poke at it to a point before they try and break it, and then you have to rein them in. Because yes. that's, that's a, and there's that fine line <laughs> of don't railroad, but don't let them you know destroy the planet. Same. Thing. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> so um, yeah, totally. you know. Yeah. Can we, can we throw the moon into the world? No, you can't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's and to you, to hear of a, a lord over a um, another developer, someone who's actually got understands that uh, really. I mean, many people do, but they don't act on it. You know, they mm. understand it intellectually, but something gets lost in the way for for maybe due to lack of talent or lack of lack of uh, general ability. Uh, hmm. They can't actually execute it. They know intellectually it needs to be done, but what comes out doesn't quite match what's the desired outcome, which is always the way of any creative endeavour. But some people just go, no, this is how it's going to be. But And then uh, what's quite interesting in creating things, you have a lot of people sort of chiming in going, yes, but what if you do this? And if you at any point these suggestions undermine that, the, the, the delivery of the story and the people, whatever you're trying to achieve, you 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 uh, you do everything you can, you can to stop it. Uh, sure, you know, but uh, yeah, yeah. In games, in games specifically, you gotta be so careful of how you steer the gameplay to keep with the story. Yeah, without being yeah, without being like a brick wall. Yeah, and uh, crediting the players with some intellect. <laughs> yes, is important. Really, really, really important. Sure. And that's why that's why like those under a killing moon games they're so impressive to me i mean i'm sure other people have other opinions on this but to me like it feels like a huge world yet you're you are constrained to like you fly around the city to points on the map but for some reason it makes you feel like this is like a an alive world that that you could go anywhere but you can't but it, it makes you feel like that there's just around the corner. There's a guy. You know what I mean? It feels like there's there's people living in those buildings, or it just feels alive. Yeah, yeah. And to, to achieve that in a video game is a phenomenal feat. So yeah, cool. So last question, first half. See, look, you made it almost. Nice. So this next one I've got to ask because you know it's a podcast about video games, and therefore we always have to talk about this. What are you playing right now? What am I playing? Jeez, um, what am I playing? What's distracting? What are you getting distracted with these days? I guess I uh, let's see. What's the most? What was I just playing? <laughs> <laughs> I was just playing something too. Um, oh, I was playing. You know, you know that game Blood. It's like a first-person shooter. It's a retro. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I was just, I was just playing that. Yeah. 
getting lost, of course. Well, <laughs> no idea where to go. That's, that's basically there. They didn't do much. They weren't good on signposting back then. Yeah, um, exactly. And uh, do you know about the game Iron Maiden? Are you familiar with that? Yeah, yeah. the new one that's coming out, you mean? Yeah, 3D Realms, yeah. yeah. It's good. Yeah. I like it. I liked it at PAX. Uh, it was at PAX as well. Um, yeah. At PAX East. And I you know, actually had an appointment with those guys. And I had a really good... I regressed quite a lot when I was playing that. Because you just found yourself doing the things you did back then. Uh-huh. Um, although it was odd using WASD controls with it, like... This doesn't feel right. Oh, right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's like, we didn't do that back then. I, I right. know we didn't, but we should have done. You know, yeah. even playing Doom, the original Doom with WSD, and like, this feels wrong. Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> it's still a little weird. But... <laughs> it's, like, it's perfectly Wait. fine. It made total sense. But back then, it's like, for me, that was Quake. It was Quake when WSD arrived, not yeah. Doom. But, right, uh, it was, you had to like hold shift to strafe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I was playing uh, Dark Forces also, and I was like, I, I was just getting lost so much. I was like, geez, where do I go? Yeah, the thing about Dark Forces is, is as much as I like that game, um, towards the latter half, it starts to get a bit bogged down. I think it overstays its welcome a bit. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's good, but. It's just, it's mm-hmm. just, oh yeah, I preferred the Jedi Knight games afterwards. They were much better. Yeah, I mean those were those were incredible. But yeah. there's something I like going back to Dark Forces because of the graphics. I, I just like that crunchy, you know, pixel graphics from that do, era. Do you remember the level where you're in the um, the um, garbage dispenser thing and you, the the monster starts popping out? Uh, yeah, yeah, that was cool. I thought that was well done. <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, but uh, other than that, it was just generally lots of grey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little empty. I would say. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, no, but, it's uh, it's uh, no good. Good call on both those games. They're they're good, like I said. But it's just yeah, it just yeah, it's a yeah. Towards you know, it's, it's not an X wing, is it? It's not. So X wing. Yeah. No, that's, that, that, that's a game, eh? But, oh yeah, uh, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I still remember sitting down thinking, "Why is this so sim-like?" And then suddenly it dawned on me, like, "Wait, they made a sim for an X-wing. How could you do a simulation for a, <laughs> a fictional yeah. space vehicle? This makes no sense." That's yeah, exactly right. what, it's exactly what they did. Yeah, yeah. Never going to see. Oh, good. The latest game I played or been playing is the re-release of Virtual Racer on on the Switch. And how I'm is that? that? It's really fun. I mean, I, I have a soft spot for those Sega arcade games. Okay. So when I saw that, I was like totally, totally into it. But is it's it, real. Is, is it the arcade version or the 32X version? It's the it's the arcade version. And my only, my only, uh, like the, the, I love the, the controls and like the frame rate. It, it feels like the arcade version and it's amazing. But my one annoyance is I, the 32X version, I love the music so much because the, the Genesis, the, the sound chip in the Genesis slash 32X, it's an actual, you know, it's a synthesizer. So it's like it's it, you get such unique sounds out of it. Right. And I love the quality of that music. So on this on this new release, it's it's like upgraded music. So it sounds like – doesn't sound good to me because it's, oh. it's like – 
too generic. The, 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 the quality of the instrument sounds like it's still synth synthesizer based, but it, like the quality of the sounds is it's too clean, it's too new and fresh. I don't like that. I want that old, you know, Genesis sound. Yeah, distorted, not quite there. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. For me, uh, I, mean, I have the thirty-two X version. Yeah, and uh, it's great. You know, oh I've, gosh, I've, yeah. I've, I've, I've streamed it. I do have a Tower of Power. Uh, yeah, I me have, too. I have, I have a Mega CD underneath, <laughs> Absolutely. and then the Mega Drive Mark One. I hasten to add, just because yes, they look, me too. Know, they just look better, don't they? Just, and then, <laughs> then I've got, I've got a thirty-two X, and uh, but I actually got a special power supply because um, you know, oh yeah, yeah, the three in one. It does. Oh, I, yeah. I got the same power supply. Just great. Oh just my gosh, godsend that is. It's like <laughs> yes, yes. That's exactly yeah. what we need. Yep. So yeah, yeah, impressed. So anyway, what's it doing? So yes. Um, next question then. It's actually first question of the second half. So we're going to delve deep into yeah. hyperspace delivery service. Mini, but we're not going to no. do that. Instead, I'm going to ask you the first question, which isn't a question, as regular listeners will know. It's, it's a, a gentle request because we can't talk about the game until we know what it is. So, have a mm-hmm. uh, but good luck to you, Mike, on this one. Uh, <laughs> what is Hyperspace Delivery Service? Uh, hyperspace Delivery Service is a space adventure game. <laughs> It's the in the vein of Oregon Trail. That's kind of the the most easy way to understand it. Okay, I think everyone listening would understand that. Even the British listeners or European listeners, it doesn't matter. Everyone knows what Oregon Trail is. They even they even made a version of it in an Xbox 360, which I found I still had on my Xbox 360. 
They like, didn't? Oh, I, yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, they did. They made an indie version of it. And it's just like, oh, there's Oregon Trail only on X360. This is hilarious. Nice. Um, and you do die of dysentery in that game. Yes. So knowing that, basically, just to give more paint, more of a, give a bit more flesh to the yeah. skeleton. Um, you are a space captain of a spaceship um, uh, whose name of which, you know, you can pull yourself out. You can actually name your crew. You have a, you know, a, 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 a collection of, of people who do various things, science officer, uh, engineering, and also crew person. Just doesn't really do anything, apparently. He's just, <laughs> just there. He's, he's the expendable one. Yeah. It's, well, yes. <laughs> My one was called Alan. Nice. So every now and again, it's like, oh, Alan, yeah. what have you done now? Why do they keep on stealing Alan? What's he got? What's it, why is it always him? But anyway, the point is, they have a, a this clutch of crew people. You have to, you know, keep alive best you can. Yeah, your main uh, your main goal is to deliver a package across correct. the galaxy. Yeah, it is the ultimate in FedEx video games because yes. there's uh, there's lots of board games of FedEx games, but no, this is a FedEx video game, and. <laughs> uh, uh, it is, yeah, it is that. What could be, what could be so hard? <laughs> well, well, have you played FTL? I mean, it's, it's just, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's not, not the same as FTL. You're not being chased by anyone, although you kind of are because you've only got a limited amount of time in order to deliver the package. Yes. If you take you're being long, chased by time. <laughs> so you're being chased by time. If you take too long, then you know you, uh, you, 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 you may deliver the package, but you know it's too late. And uh, you, for, you forego the uh, massive reward for actually achieving what seemingly impossible thing. Um, so you have various sort of variables, various variable um, things that can influence your success and failure. Uh, and this is everything from food for the crew, oxygen, of course, life support, uh, fuel. <laughs> you, you know, can't go anywhere with that. Um, <laughs> And also the health and well-being of the crew themselves, um, ammunition for weapons and uh, missiles, and also all of this stuff. Loads of stuff. Yes. And um, what I'm, re- I'm I'm leading to a question here because the, the player has management, has agency over all of these this stuff and juggling all these plates or spinning. Juggling? No, let's go juggling the plates rather than spinning them. Let's do juggling. Mm. Um, now built into hyperspace delivery service is basically at its core a risk reward model really yes and uh, I'm just going to ask you Mike could you just take us through not too much detail but how have you found designing this what what sort of building blocks did you make to design this risk reward model which is ultimately is the drives drive hyperspace delivery service yeah it was it was really challenging um so the it, the idea start you I started very simple so I used Oregon Trail as the model um, for kind of managing the supplies and I realized that I I needed more management uh, or more supplies I, I wanted it to be more in depth than Oregon Trail so I had to add a lot more supplies and things to do along the way. Which, of course, kind of, you know, obliterated that initial kind of uh, balancing of of the different supplies you have and what you use. But so I started out 
okay, I picked how many planets are you going to stop at? So you have about 24 planets. So after I picked that number, I was like, all right, how much, how much, uh, how, how much distance is between each planet? And I didn't want it to be the same each, each time. So kind of randomly chose the, the space, the distance between each planet. Um, and I used basically, I used real world kind of distances. So it's in hyper, it's in a uh, light, light speed or uh, light years. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, and I, so I looked up online, like what's the average distance between planets in our, in our local galaxy in our local star group so i got that number and then i used that number to base all the distances so now i got some distance numbers so then i started with fuel and i'm like all right how much what's the fuel you're going to need to get to the very last planet and then i kind of break that up between the planets like how much fuel for each planet like, all right how much how much fuel are you going to get at the beginning how much is it going to cost and then you kind of just each supply I would balance out at a time, one at a time, to make sure that it's like you could get from the beginning to the end, and it kind of works. And then I start adding in, uh, like the hiccups to like to make it not as easy because like at first I balanced it so it's it was perfect so you could get you know what I mean so you get there, you buy everything you have enough supplies, and then I slowly start interrupting that and and adding, uh, you know, things in your way to, to break that up. Well, you know, what's lovely is you start off depending on difficulty and other things as well, but your initial sort of stuff, like, I don't know, going, oh, that, that, that's, that's quite a lot of the money. No, yeah. It really no. isn't. It's just not enough. Not at all. The amount of times I've had to restart, like, oh, come on. Yeah. yeah sorry. You've run out of, <laughs> run out of everything. Well, that's, well, that's what's interesting is that's so this game. I feel like it's an older style of 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 gameplay, and that it's designed so that you play it and you die, you play it and you fail, yes, and then you learn from that failure and you start over and yeah. you figure out a better way to do it. Yeah, don't spank all your money on the first. Oh my god, so like spend like two grand. Like, what are you doing? Like, be fine. <laughs> then you lose like half of your stuff. Like. Yeah. Oh, that kid's gone. Like, no, see, yeah, one of your crew ate them. What? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, so going to the back to the risk reward thing. Like, yeah. So say you say you decide, okay, I'm just gonna get just enough. I'm I'm gonna keep all my credits and just get enough supplies to get to the next planet. Let's see what happens. Little do you know, on the way to that next planet, you find a stowaway, and that stowaway might. Now you you find him and then it's going to give you a bunch of choices like do you want to detain the stowaway do you want to like let him go do you want to talk to him do you want to like play a game with him all these you know you have a bunch of choices some of them are determined by the your crew members and who you have alive like do you have a science officer alive do you have an engineer alive that kind of determines the choices so depending on what choice you make and the roll of the dice because you know there's there's a dice roll behind the scenes. Um, all of a sudden, that stowaway could steal all your money. Yeah. So by you hoarding yeah. your money, all of a sudden, now you have no money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That happens. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, and there's also, you know, only one save, everyone. You can't scum save this. It's, yeah, so you got. Yeah. you got to you got to drink it in, then, then 
once you start on your voyage and that's it it's you're oh, off yeah. There's, 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 there's no like oh I'm just going to reload no no that's <laughs> no. it I love it when a big red thing comes up save like oh man yeah right <laughs> yeah I've saved it but I just lost 20 med kits I know you did yes. <laughs> too late <laughs> too late oh found an artifact there you go see wins and you lose <laughs> yeah but um, anyway so um, next question one cannot help grow an affinity towards the crew. At least I have, you know, a lot of, lot of yes. empathy for them. They're lovely yes. people. Uh, at least of all, Alan, though, because he just gets into <laughs> trouble. Uh, my security officer was Prax, because it's a great nice. security. Yeah. Uh, and that's from Voyager, by the way. Um, and uh, so how does Hyperspace Delivery Service exploit this, do you think? What, do you, what did you do in a design to make sure that once the player got really, a, you know, have an affinity towards the crew, what does the game do to exploit this, if anything? I mean, the, just the the main thing is how it... When things happen, it'll tell you the name of the crew member they're happening to. So, like, Alan will trip and bang his head, or Alan falls asleep at the his console and... The deflector shields go down, and all of a sudden, the ship is just getting hit by whatever random space debris. Um, he is the ultimate red shirt. He really. <laughs> yeah. uh, sometimes a crew might get abducted, like so. Then you have to decide, like, oh, am I just gonna abandon them? <laughs> yeah. You know, let them be. But uh, yeah, I think it goes like I just remember back in the day playing Oregon Trail or like. You know, those types of games where you get to name your crew, like Wasteland or whatever. Um, you get to name everyone in your party. That's just, I don't know, you just kind of... As long as you name them, like, your friends' names or something, <laughs> then you really get attached to them. Yeah, I mean, for me, just the, the name is just so bland. You have to attribute character to him. That's why I call the, the most, you know... I've got a D and D or any role playing game. What you know, like an MP a player says, "Oh, get an NPC." And like, what's his name? I don't know, Alan. Yeah, <laughs> it's a bit of a. I don't know. Go nice. with it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just think uh, it does exploit. You're right. You and it draws you. You you care about them, don't you? Yeah, I I think so. At least I hope you do. Yeah. <laughs> Probably some weird psychotic lunatic if you don't. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about uh, next question then is um, so how do you believe hyperspace delivery service communicates to the player the importance of gathering enough materials and resources between each journey between each stop along the way to the final destination, assuming you get there. What do you what do you think? What, what how do you think the, the hyperspace delivery service communicates that to the player? Other than the obvious, I mean that's the that's the tricky part of the game, and I, I do think I, I may have gone a little too old school on this because I do feel like some some players that I watch play tend to not get it at first. It takes them a while, but it doesn't quite spell it out for you. What it does is, is it encourages exploration of all the systems. Right. And so 
when you first play, like, yeah, there's like a little introduction which tells you go to the store, go to the supplies, whatever. But besides that, just like explicitly telling you, which most people will probably just click right through, <laughs> um, it leaves you on the bridge, and like, it's, you know, there's nothing to do. It's just you're on the bridge. Just go, go for it. So if, if you just go to your next destination, you're gonna die of probably not enough oxygen. Um, so now your goal is to figure out, okay, how do I get oxygen? And then hopefully you're exploring the different systems. Like you, you could buy it at the store, obviously, but if you go into your supply screen, you can, ex- you can do other things like extract oxygen from the atmosphere of a planet. Yeah. And there's, there's a risk reward to that, you know, that costs fuel. You could get injured. Um, so hopefully you're exploring those things and using those, the different ways that uh, to, to, to manage your supplies. And then there's the whole economy. So you could get, uh, you could do trading and you can get intel on future planets. So you'll know the prices that are coming up. So you could buy low, sell high. Um, and hopefully you're exploring these different things. And if you're not, then you're probably going to just not get very far. <laughs> no, that's um, right. Yeah. I mean, the whole trading thing, that's really, you can get intel, like I said, and get, you know, supply and demand and then make a make a bit of a profit from moving from one planet to another and do missions and, and take on passengers who turn into murdering crazy people. Yeah. Into having to put into the brig or, or put in the airlock, whichever, yeah. whichever works. But yeah, um, I'm always, I don't know why I always take passengers on because... Maybe not nine times, but seven times out of ten, they turn into a psycho. It's just like it's tough. Or the worst one I had was um, I found a wormhole, so I skipped the planet. Yeah. The passenger went on and went. What? The? I don't want to come here. And then it's just like, oh, fine. It just walks off. And just leaves the like, fine. Yeah. I, I I balanced using the wormhole and jumping and saving loads of fuel and money. Oh yeah, you have to and, use those. And all they were going to do was give me four, you know, med kits and like, well, yeah, go away. It's like you know, cheaper half the price. So yeah. my last question then, uh, because ultimately, you know, Oregon Trail it doesn't have a lot of this, but in high space delivery service, there is. Um, there's aspects of I've got to put it interaction of dexterity, if you will, of skill required because at the moment we're talking about choices and balancing and methodical thinking but sometimes during the experience you don't have to rely on choices and you're actually you're actually having to interact with things in real time um was that a conscious decision to be included this or is it something that was eventually arrived was it always a a core component of hyperspace delivery service uh well it actually comes from in uh, or the game Organ Trail, I feel like the mechanic, like the hunting mechanic in that is a lot more playable than Oregon Trail. So that kind of inspired the idea that you could do a little more action-y stuff and it still works. Um, so then when I was inspired by that, I originally had like an old-school top-down kind of action-y just simple game where you go down to the planet and hunt for supplies. 
but I was playing Blakestone and Wing Commander, and I, I just got inspired to include them in the game as mini-games. So I, I put them there because I think it works, but I think it works in that it breaks up the intellectual side of the game so you're not always just managing your supplies and thinking about decisions like you can just shoot some robots if you want and you know kick back kind of unwind for a moment um just breaks up the flow so you're not always doing the same thing there it is i knew it was the case but uh (laughs) you're right it could have been could have been although interesting and and for for many it uh, makes things, you know, it um, that little bit of interaction, like direct interaction, mm-hmm. that you can influence rather than a roll of the dice. Because you could have done that. You could have said, oh, right. a bunch of pirates, you face a bunch of pirates, and uh, what do you want to do? Do you want to sort of put weapons into engines and, and, and just press go, and then the randomizer will, will kick off, and then you go, oh, you won, or you took this down. Right. Like, you could have done that. You could have done that, and many games do do that. Yep. Um, Stellaris, I'm looking at you. But, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, but you said no. No, actually, let's have the player change the, you know, even against the major major odds, they can change the shields and energy and on on the fly. Oh, yeah. And that's a really lovely sort of touch. Like, um, one minute you're like, you, you put in all the weapons in your shields and then you change it to engines and they're going 125%. And yeah, flying around and uh, smashing into things, which is not a good <laughs> idea. But uh, yeah, that was actually—you bring up. I mean, that that actually was a, a large goal was to give the player choice or uh, give the player control over what happens. Because yeah, if it's completely random, I, personally, I'm not a fan of that. Like, if it's all dice rolls, because it's just you, there's not enough power to the player to control the outcome. No matter so, how much you massage the rolls. Or modify the roles. Yeah, you can do that. You can say, uh-huh. oh, "Okay, well, but they've got this done. They've got this done. They've done all this. And you can add bonuses to those roles." Ultimately, it still is down to a dice roll. Yeah, and you can get that critical failure. It's no, every, despite everything the player has done, if there's odds, if there's an odds that or a, a probability that they can fail, uh, it doesn't seem fair. Sure. And, it's, and you take away that control. So. I'm really happy that you put that in. It's one of the reasons I kept on coming back to the game at PAX East. Um, <laughs> I kept on like, oh, I wanted to check out the weird mini games, and <laughs> say weird, just lovely mini games. Just you know, the, the there's a little FPS going on, but it's the 2.5D or maybe just yeah, yeah, like Wolfenstein like little game, yep. a bit like a bit like Marathon. Um, oh, Marathon, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it reminded me a lot of Marathon, and yep. uh, that, that that was lovely. So yeah. And then, you know, uh, rescuing Alan again uh, <laughs> for the 12th time. Uh, yeah, right. He, he does get put in that stasis field. He doesn't <laughs> seem to like it. Uh, well, you know what's interesting about the stasis field is, so it, this game was early access for a while, and right. was that was super helpful for me just because I'm, a, you know, alone, developing it alone, so I, need, I needed feedback. And... Uh, one of the feedback early on was there was there was random deaths um, when you were traveling between uh, planets. So like something might happen and you could die, and but you wouldn't have control over that death, right? So one of the compromises I made was 
instead of a random death, now you'll get put into stasis. And that enables you to now make a choice. Okay, do I want to revive this guy by paying credits to a doctor or just let him stay in stasis? Right. Right. Oh, I see. Yeah. It's, uh, but you, t- you basically sort of modified it slightly. So that's cool. Yeah. One of the well, other, what's another interesting thing that from early access, people, a lot of people, well, not a lot, but I got some comments, or some people wanted the mini games to like take a much bigger uh, kind of part of the game, uh-huh. and I, I got like some requests for like, oh yeah, let's do things where you you're flying, you find a ship, then you got to board the ship, and it switches to FPS, and you got to like find some people. Maybe maybe you get to do the FPS on your ship, like to like fight off, you know, intruders. But ultimately, I had to make the decision. Like that's just too much work. Like, like also, even though you're not making starters, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nor is anyone else. Sorry. Don't yeah. Sense. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Despite how we we would like that game to exist. <laughs> yes, it's it's not going to. Um, you know, I, I like Elite Dangerous for what it is mm-hmm. as a thing, but you know, you can it's feature there's feature creep. Then it's just oh come on, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah, just, just I for me for me, um, I treat hyperspace delivery service much like an episode of Blake Seven. Do you know what Blake Seven is? I, I don't. I'm not familiar with Blake Seven. Okay, so Blake Seven is a uh, 1970s early 80s British sci-fi TV show. Okay. Which is on YouTube. You can watch all of it on YouTube. Every series, it's all freely available because of the beloved BBC. Just like, oh, you can have it. There you go. Just have it. Nice. So you can probably, probably blocked in the US for some reason. Possibly. <laughs> but look up Blake 7. So it's Blake's, as in Blake. Oh, Blake's. Yeah, Blake's I see it. Seven. And, uh, wasn't a great show. Gonna admit it. It was pretty. It was nineteen nineteen eighties. Made at the same time as Doctor Who, so the of that period. So okay. Special effects weren't very special, um, but it had it has the same hallmarks. I mean, the episodes in that are very very similar to what happens in hyperspace delivery service. They okay. find us. They, they're on this spaceship called the Liberator. Well, for, for three seasons, the last two are on another. But anyway, and. Uh, this ship is amazing. It's really powerful, and the, your ship reminded me. The ship in your ship, the ship in hyperspace, <laughs> reminded me yeah. a lot of it because it has this ship orbiting this really small planet. <laughs> oh, nice! <laughs> <laughs> and you know, they never they they, they never landed on the, the the planet. They just uh-huh. used um, used transporters and stuff. Oh, okay. And, and it is they they would have these little adventures mm-hmm. in these random planets with these random people, and you know, it'd be just ridiculous. And then they'll go back on this liberating and just carry on going trucking. And it's like, this is just Blake 7, the video game. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah, I just, uh, it's just really, I just, it's just a wonderful thing to experience. So, thanks for doing is that, that. Is that like, almost like Battlestar Galactica? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is kind of like that. Although the, the aim of the Liberator was to fight off the evil Earth Federation. Oh, okay. The evil Earth Fascist Federation, and uh, it's uh, yeah, it's not nice, warm, fuzzy Star Trek. Oh no, uh, <laughs> bad, bad. Yeah, it's just yeah, bad. 
But yes. anyway, by all means, have a look at it, and you'll you'll sit there and go, yeah. But the point <laughs> is, every adventure I felt was contained. It's just it felt like mm. a TV episode of about twenty yes. minutes. Oh, and that's nice. how that's how you've designed it for me. Thank you. Whether it's intentional, I don't know, but it I felt mean that. Like to be honest, that's at my core. Like I, I can't, I, I just cannot get into modern TV, which never ends. I, I need those episodic self-contained shows. That's why I love Star Trek so much or like Farscape or well, Farscape keeps going, but it, it's still self-contained in a way. But uh, I just love the the old school, you know, self-contained shows. Yeah. And it sings it really comes across here. So it's just lovely to see. And uh, I've just felt that every episode is like, okay, what episode is this? This might be season three where things get really bad. <laughs> yeah, right. They, they change the main writer now, and Alan becomes a major major character. And he's like, no, no, don't. Oh, damn it. Nice. <laughs> so I just I started writing little stories in my head and what what this TV show would be called. Yeah, um, it's just uh, you know um, Alan Seven. Like, oh Alan. no. <laughs> Oh man, I want to see this Alan show. <laughs> no, 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 you don't. <laughs> so, Hyperspace Delivery Service by Zotnip Games is out now. Windows, PC, Mac, and Linux. Is that right? Uh, yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. No, I checked it beforehand. <laughs> so, um, and uh, Mike, you know, it's really been fantastic having you on. Thank you so, so much for spending yeah, your you. time with us today. Thank you for having me. Uh, I hope you got something out of it. I know I did. Um, yeah, but, absolutely. So it, was, it was really fun talking about this game. And everyone, hyperspace delivery service. It's really easy. Just look up hyperspace, and you'll find it. You, you don't do hyper because then you get in a hyperlight drifter there, which is not a bad thing. But you, you know, you, then you get distracted on that, and then you go, "Why is it so hard to download the patch?" It'll be fine. So, <laughs> <laughs> but there's nice. not that. It's a hyperspace delivery service. Do check it out. I really, really loved it. At uh, it's one of my highlight of uh, experiences at. at uh, PAX East uh, this year so uh, thanks for making it Mike I really really appreciate it and thanks for being on yeah thank you 